Here we go in Las Vegas on a Sunday morning. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here every Sunday morning at 8 on Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM at 1340 AM flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. Me and social media director Spencer The Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. Oh, yeah, that's right. He has his own theme music, but we're coming to you live from the Residential Bank Corp headquarters in Henderson, Nevada, and producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who is also the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network, is handling the duties back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio in Las Vegas. The reason for this is, again, because for two and a half years now, the pandemic that began in March of 2020 continues to keep us out of the Fox Sports radio studio and um keeps us working remotely the show is also streaming on the lb sports network and you can watch the show live on facebook and youtube the page is called out of line that's o-u-t-t-a-l-i-n-e follow the show on instagram and twitter at out of line fox lb and since we are live your calls and questions are welcome the fox sports residential bankrupt studio line is 702-876-1340 Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp. Funding America, one neighborhood at a time. Residential Bank Corp., uh, you can reach them. Call 702-964-5720 to get information on all the home financing options available in the state of Nevada. On Tap, looks like the Vegas Golden Knights will make no immediate moves regarding getting another goalie anytime soon. The Las Vegas Aces advance to the semifinals. The Raiders are now 3-0 and in the preseason. We'll break it down in today's guest, former Raider Mervin Fernandez and lifetime global founder Magali Fernandez will be joining the show to talk about NFL grudge matches. What is it? Stick around and you'll find out. And the Las Vegas Aviators are back in town. They're in the middle of a long game home set. Three out of their last four wins. You can catch them. Actually, they'll be down at the Las Vegas Ballpark tonight. We'll talk about that also. That is What's on Tap. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust, Residential Bank Corp. Funding America, one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details on all of your home financing options. Let's get right into it, boys. Nightcap. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Yeah, we said last week, Robin Leonard, you know, having hip surgery, out indefinitely, probably the entire season, and word is, the Vegas Golden Knights will start the season with Logan Thompson as their number one and Michael Hutchinson as their number two. Hutchinson, if you're not familiar with him, he's 32 years old, nine seasons in the league, 137 NHL appearances. Uh, to me, this says they're expecting uh, Brossois back sooner than later and that they believe now, at least for now, that Thompson and Brossois will work to start the season. Uh, Mags, what do you think? I mean, I really thought they were going to make a move. It seemed like uh, Montreal might have been the most um, 
viable option for them with the situation they've got with three goaltenders all under contract. But um, it looks like Thompson and Hutchinson at least to start the preseason, right? Yeah, I I think so, Brian. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know how long, and I don't think we know how long Loren Brossois is going to be out, but let's be honest, Loren Brossois is not a goalie who's going to win you a Stanley Cup. I don't care if if he's you're you're you know it, it's just if if you if there's the the way I'm looking at this is it's Logan Thompson's team. He's the guy, but he's only played 20 games in the NHL. So you're you're putting a massive burden on the shoulders of a kid and a guy who who his his story is well documented. He he's proven it every step of the way that people like me who are doubting him can 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 basically eat it because he's proven us wrong every every step of the way and he he's got a lot of people i i know just from the tweets that i read that there's a lot of people in his corner especially the fans the fans are in his corner they want him to go out and and be the guy brian i i think the thing is you're you're putting a lot on the shoulders of a kid michael hutchinson is a borderline NHL AHL goalie. So you're basically going to live or die with the play of Logan Thompson at least to start the season and I'll be honest I think I think Logan Thompson's a better goalie than Lauren at least based on what we saw last year. Michael or <laughs> not Michael Hutchinson. Uh, Logan Thompson is a better goalie than Lauren Brossois. So if Leonard is done for the year and and that's the report that he's out for the season. I don't expect to see him at all. I don't I, I, it doesn't sound like it's something where he's going to be able to recover in time to to come back and play um, at all this season. But you, you, you're you're living or dying with Logan Thompson because the other two guys who are behind him, I don't think that they are. They're they're, they're certainly not goalies who are going to win you a Stanley Cup. So uh, whether or not a move is made at a later date, I don't know. I, I still think Jake Allen is is a possibility. Uh, you know, I, I think another guy who who I mentioned last week is Jonas Kuprasalo. I don't know what the asking price from the Columbus Blue Jackets would be, but I he's he's a guy who I've I've been a big fan of for a long time. I think he's a he's a really quality goalie. He's just kind of been lost in the shuffle there in Columbus with the emergence of Elvis Merzlikens and a team that really hasn't been that good since Sergei Bobrovsky left a couple of years ago. So um, you know, it, it's Logan Thompson's team, Brian, and, and this team is gonna go as far as Logan Thompson will take them, uh, you know, I, I I think there's still a lot of questions away from Logan Thompson going into the season, um, you know, and, and and look, the the reality of the situation, Brian, is is we saw la- at the end of last season when Logan Thompson was playing, if this team can't find ways to put the puck in the net, it doesn't matter who's playing goal for them. They they could have Bernie Perrant back there playing goalie, and it's not going to matter because if they're not putting the puck in the net, they're not going to be winning a ton of games, Brian. Yeah, I can't argue with you, Chris. I mean, you know, the, the the bottom line is, you know, good offense can lead to good defense or vice versa. But the, the thing is with the Golden Knights is they really have been disappointing, especially in the postseason when it comes to scoring goals. But you're right, last year down the stretch, they just could not find the back of the net in several games with an opportunity still to make the postseason up to the last game, really the last couple games of the regular season. They were in the hunt. And, um, you know, considering all the man hours they lost due to injury, you know, that was 
it's really good that they were in the hunt at the end. But again, all they had to do was score, and they're they're going to have to do that. They're, we're going to have to see a lot of production from Jack Eichel. We're going to have to see a healthy and productive Mark Stone. Uh, the old production line separated or together. Guys, Riley Smith, obviously uh, William Carlson and Jonathan March. So they have all got to be very offensively productive this year to continue emergence of Nicholas Watt, of course Chandler Stevenson. All these guys are going to play a big role in this. And even the fourth line guys like William Carrier, Keegan Colasar, you know, they need to be productive as well on this team for it to be successful. But it is does still come down, Chris, to the last line of defense. And Logan Thompson, is he the guy? I think he's a guy that has proven that he is NHL caliber talent. Like you said, Chris, a great story. But is he a guy that can play even 55 games in a season and have this team in the running for a Stanley Cup? And even if we do get Laurent Brossois back, or I should say the Golden Knights get Laurent Brossois back, you know, like you said, I think he is a serviceable backup goaltender, not a great one, maybe not even a good one, a serviceable one. What does that say? That says you need a really good one starting. Logan Thompson, I think, has the tools to become a productive, solid NHL goaltender. But is that right now? Yeah, he got thrown under the into the fire last year um, and nearly led this team to the playoffs. He definitely did his job, and it was not his fault this team didn't win down the stretch. It was definitely the lack of offensive production. So is Logan Thompson our guy? Well, we're going to find out uh, this year because I think there's no question that starting the season, he will be between the pipes in the opener and probably in the first several games unless they just come out really flat and are terrible and he's bad. Well, you know, well, then we'll have to make a decision. Hutchinson, absolutely not the answer. A 32-year-old journeyman, a lot of experience, but a guy you want to bring in at spot duty at best, in my opinion. And again, Laurent Brossois, a backup goaltender in the NHL, definitely not the go-to guy. So well, here's the thing, Brian. They, that happens, uh, they, the, they, you know, a month away from the start of the, the VGK regular season schedule. It starts September 25th. They'll be at Colorado, the 2021-22 Stanley Cup champion. So I guess that'll be a fun way to start the season for this team where there are, um, I don't want to say a lot of questions. Heck, they've got a hell of a lineup. They've got a hell of a roster. But um, the questions are going to be between the net. The questions are going to be how solid are they going to be defensively because this team is known, especially with guys like Alex Petrangelo, Shea Theodore, is one of the better defensive, offensively-minded teams in the National Hockey League. And again, when you look at the skill set of some of these forwards, you know, taking into account that, you know, guys like Chandler Stevenson, who really emerged as a solid NHL point producer last year, there's a lot expected of this team. And I really think, you know, no way are they, is anyone going to take excuses for this team not making the playoffs again this year, regardless of a new head coach or not. And um, there's going to be questions and they'll all be answered soon. Uh, the goaltending situation, I think, again, they'll start out with, they'll start out, you know, with Logan Thompson and Michael Hutchinson, uh, expecting Brossois to come back probably sooner than all of us thought from his surgery, his hip surgery. But um, I think a, a move will be made at some point, guys for a backup or a starting goaltender in the league. And I think I'm sure uh, that the, that the uh, Golden Knight brass are behind the scenes looking into all options and all possibilities because there is no question about it. Bill Foley has made it very clear with his voice and his actions. He wants this team to win and to win now. And it, the, the sky's the limiter as far as the expectations go for the Golden Knights teams. Let's move on, guys, and talk about, talk about the, uh, the Las Vegas Aces. Um, 
All I can say is, wow, what a fun team to watch. You know, okay, if you're expecting an above-the-rim, you know, up-and-down game like you see in the NBA, you're going to be disappointed. This is not the NBA. It's the WNBA. It's not an above-the-rim game. It's a perimeter game. It's a game where you see some stellar defense. But don't think for a minute you don't see really cool moves and drives to the lane. You do. And perimeter, oh, yeah, you get a perimeter game. Uh, Like last night's perimeter game, Spencer, I know you watched it. I got a chance to watch the game as well. I didn't get to go to the game last night. I went to game one. I wasn't able to make it out be it the majority of the rest of the playoffs, but going to the Michelob Ultra Arena at the Mandalay Event Center is a lot of fun, guys. Let me tell you something. It's it's exciting basketball, and it's a who's who of celebrities. You're always going to see NBA players there. You're going to see NFL players there, primarily the Raiders, considering the team's owned by Mark Davis, who also ironically owns the Las Vegas Raiders, and you're going to see some quality basketball. Uh, a backcourt of Kelsey Plum and uh, Jackie Young to me, one of the best, maybe in WNBA history. Now that's going a long way. There's a lot, been a lot of good backcourts, but I am telling you something. Both these girls are still relatively very young, and they have come into their own. And they both got an Olympic gold medal playing together on the three-on-three uh, Olympic basketball program this past summer or past winter. And guys, they're a lot of fun to watch play basketball. The Aces, Asia Wilson, when her game is on, is as good as anybody in the entire league and and ranks up there with all-time greats. And I think she'll continue to get better and better. And Chelsea Gray is a player, Spencer, that has absolutely come into her own on this Aces team. And the one thing you learned in game one, don't piss her off because if you do she will go off which she did in game one and it carried over into game two again where she had 27 points nine of 11 from the field eight assists almost a double double and then kelsey plums i mentioned chipped in 22 points six of ten but she was four of six from the three-point line and i mentioned a perimeter game guys well i don't know if you know this maybe you do the record for three-pointers in the wnba game regular season or postseason going into yesterday night's game between the and the Phoenix Mercury was 18 three-pointers. We'll check this out. The Aces got 23 three-pointers last night, an all-time WNBA record. And keep in mind, the WNBA has been around for over 30 years. So that's pretty damn impressive when you consider uh, 23 three-pointers and everybody was going off, even role players off the bench like Bell, who you don't normally see in the game, hit a three-pointer. She actually hit the three-pointer that broke the record at 19, but really cool to see. This is an exciting team. They run the floor real well, obviously very good on the perimeter and probably something that's not talked about a lot except in press conferences and by the coaches and players. They are a hell of a defensive basketball team. They can D up with just about anybody. And I mean, Asia Wilson had a bad game in game one for her standards, really offensively. But go back and watch the game again if you think she was non-existent. She blocked a couple of huge shots in that game and was absolutely playing defense up and down the floor at both sides. And that, I think she had 11 rebounds. So that lets you know what she's doing away from the ball or you know when, when she doesn't have the ball in her hands, in her possession. But um, I am telling you right now, this team is geared up to win the WNBA title, bring Las Vegas its first professional sports franchise 
Nice Championship, and they can do it. They've got home court advantage, which I think is huge. Chicago got kind of surprised in game one uh, by the uh, – by um, I'm, I'm sorry, they're playing the New York Liberty, and because of that, they got to play Tuesday night in New York. I hated that format because I said if a good team splits the first two games, they got to play on the road in the in the clincher. And but New York, the biggest margin of victory in and WNBA playoff history, thirty eight point win for the Liberty last night, hundred to sixty two. I don't think I don't think I, I said for the Liberty. I should have said for the uh, um, for the Chicago Sky. I don't think the Sky are going to have a problem in New York beating the Liberty. I think that was a wake up call. I think, believe it or not, and I don't think it's any surprise. The two top teams, the Sky and the Aces, I think are destined to meet in the in the WNBA championship uh, series. And the Sky could become the first team to repeat as WNBA champions uh, since the 2000, 2000, 2001, 2002 LA Sparks. So it's been a long time, 20 years since you've had a repeat champion. I don't think you're going to have one this year. I really think the aces are going to come through and I think home court advantage will work in their favor. I think the series will go the full five games. And here I am jumping ahead because we haven't even, we're not even in the semifinals yet. The aces are the only team there, but Spencer, what do you think of this aces team? A lot of fun to watch. They've got depth and you know, it's funny because a lot lot of people said to me, Liz Campage was a cancer to a degree. She didn't put out her full effort, even though Bill Lambeer used the excuse last year that the problem was her, her, um, her stamina because of having COVID. But uh, now we see that maybe it was a lot more than that is what she's pulled in LA, but getting rid of her looks like might have been the remedy to put this team over the top. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't mean to undermine COVID too. Like, like, like you said, like, obviously I had COVID too. I understand how hard it is, but you could tell before she got COVID and when you just watch the game and we would go to the games, you could see that she just wasn't giving her hundred percent. Also, you could always tell from pretty much day one, which was really unfortunate because the picture that Aces fan had, had in their mind, right. The last time that they saw Liz Cambage and, and like most of them did was that playing game to get into the playoffs. She scored like 42 points and knocked the Aces out of the playoffs that year. I mean, she dominated them. So when they traded for her, I imagine, okay, well, you had Liz Cambage to the team and they, right off the bat, you know, they're just going to win back to back to back titles, right? The most dominant team in the league. But then you watch her and you realize that that's actually not the case. So that was a bit unfortunate. And it's part of the saga. That's part of basketball. And I think it was actually good for the team, to be honest with you. How can that make sense, right? They don't win a title. There's but it's the drama. We know that when you look at the NBA, it's fueled by drama. And if there was more of it, I think more people would be interested. People don't realize that the rumor mills run the NBA media cycle, right? So when you have Liz Cambage, like, goofing off, I'm not, again, I, I don't know her personally, so I can't say completely. But you could tell, again, on the court, she wasn't giving it her all. And like I think that causes maybe the rest of the team to bond a little bit, right? When you see your teammates slacking off and the other ones have been there for so long. I mean, the team hasn't really changed all that much since it came to Las Vegas, which is a good thing, which is a rare thing in basketball in general. Um, and then I, I'm go I know I'm going through the life cycle of the Aces since I've been here, but you know you had Kayla McBride too, right? And then she was gone, and Chelsea Gray comes in, and I looked up Chelsea Gray, and I, I'm like, oh, okay, well she's had a couple All Star appearances here and there, so she definitely has a little bit of skill. Uh, so there was a lot of questions, right? Liz Cambage is gone. Caleb McBride is gone. Can this team, you know, step up and win? And then ever since Mark Davis took over the team, obviously, I mean, there's just been an absolute explosion. And I can't say enough about Jackie and Chelsea Gray. Uh, with Chelsea Gray, a scoring playmaker, I mean, who can shoot from anywhere on the on the half court and also had eight assists last night. I mean, that's just not something you see on a basketball team very often, especially from the forward position. I mean, that's what Jason Tatum and others do. 
Obviously, I'm not saying she's she's as good as you know Jason Tatum, but I'm saying when you think of it relatively, right, to the WNBA and what she fills in for the team, it's incredible, you know. And then Jackie Young, gone from shooting maybe 20% from three point range off of that ancient dinosaur offense they're running for with Bill Embiid for a few years, driving me crazy. I mean, just 1970s basketball to see Asia Wilson hit top of the arc threes, but more importantly, Jackie Young goes from 20% three point shooter to over 40% from attempting less than one three-pointer game to attempting like two a game. All of those things have made a difference. And it's not like they're running a Houston Rockets type of offense, okay? They're running, uh, you know, dribble penetration the whole nine yards. It, it's beautiful basketball to see. It's It'll be, I think, having getting rid of the Phoenix Mercury in the first round was really good for them because that has been who stifled them now. Obviously, it was a very uh, stunted team given all the circumstances. But to, I think having them go through Phoenix first was really big for their confidence. Well, I would agree with that to a degree, but I think, you know, what I like about the Phoenix win, Spencer, is Phoenix was very easy to overlook this year. Uh, you know, they, they they basically backed into the playoffs under 500 record. And the reason being, you got Brittany Griner detained in Russia. You've got Diana Tarazzi out with a quad injury. You've got Skylar Diggins-Smith. She left the team for personal reasons. And in game one, I was sitting right there and saw Shea Petty go down. And I knew the minute she stood up, she just collapsed and grabbed my ankle. And I knew it wasn't her ankle. When someone collapses like that, it's an Achilles. And that's exactly what it was. And I sat at the table that I was sitting at. I was sitting with Brian Shapiro and Mike Dixon I said guys that's an Achilles injury I could see it was right in front of us really sad Shea Petty a big part of this team and that's just another and they've been dealing with this all year nurse they're missing her as well they have been dealing with injuries all year long it's amazing they even got into the postseason nothing a shell of the team they were last year just without Griner and Tarazzi alone is just the two of the best players in the game even though Diana's getting older and Brittany Griner arguably the most dominant player in the game you know almost undefeated defendable when she's on her game and it's a huge loss for them so that was really big but Spencer the thing that's turned this team around and you joked about Lambeer's historic uh, style of running an offense the, the difference in this year has been Becky Hammond there's no question the girls just gravitate to her and they understand she's played the game and even though Bill's played the game at the highest level in the NBA a borderline hall of famer he won't get there but he's borderline and uh and yet you've got Becky Hammond who's a hall of fame WNBA player hall of fame college basketball player this woman is incredible but she is an instructor and she's a player's coach but yet she gets it done and the one thing she has found without question is to get the most out of her players and that is completely evident in the emergence of you're talking about Kelsey Plum one of the most prolific scorers in, in women's college basketball history you in know, Washington like yes players. and now she is coming to her own averaging over 20 points a game all-star MVP and I'll tell you what Asia Wilson might get the MVP of the league when it's all said and done but Kelsey Plum's getting some votes and if she got it I don't think people would be astonished that's how good she is that she's in the conversation for that and it's funny not only in the conversation for the most valuable player in the league, but in the conversation for the most improved player in the league, along with her backcourt mate in Jack Young, who I think will get most improved player of the year with what she has done this year. As you mentioned, her shooting percentage, Spencer, through the roof. But what's really come up with Jack Young, it's confidence at both ends of the floor. She is a defensive, I'm not going to say juggernaut, but a stopper at the guard position now. Plus, you can't leave her alone. And I saw her cut through the lane like a hot knife through butter 
Carter in that first game against the Mercury and lay a ball in where she made two moves in Spencer. She lost me and I wasn't even guarding her. So, I mean, you know, I'm going to tell you what, this is a fun team to watch. Get out there. The next round is probably going to be against the Seattle Storm. That will be a hell of a series. I'm just glad for the Aces' sake they've got home court advantage because the one thing is Michelob Alter Arena and Las Vegas draws better than any team in the WNBA. And again, even though Michelob Alter is a smaller venue, it gets loud as hell in there. It lights up. They turned off the lights. They gave everyone these watch flashlights last time. It was really cool to see, but it, it really gets loud for a smaller crowd and the sound starts reverberating. And I think that bodes well for the aces and no question it motivates them, especially a player who's extremely emotional, like Chelsea Gray. She got a, she, she there was a, um, a flagrant one called against the Mercury in the second half. Matter of fact, in the fourth quarter and then Chelsea Gray went off in game one. Again, I, I didn't love the call. Um, I really didn't, but but still, it sent Chelsea Gray through the roof, and she's carried it over. And we have seen that she is a player capable of offensively carrying this basketball team. And when you've already got Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum, Jackie Young, uh, Kia Stokes, oh, my God, this team's stacked and a lot of fun to watch. All right, we'll move on, Spencer, because I really want to get to this next segment and go ahead and hit Fact This. Facts this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. Act. When going in the locker room of a professional sports franchise, if there is a team logo on the floor, do not step on it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the obviously that's the objective. Players and members of the media. Uh, this happened in the Raiders locker room after last Sunday's preseason win over the Minnesota Vikings when interviewing Jared backup quarterback Jarek Stidham. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the obviously that's the objective every time. Um, don't step on the logo. Oh. Um. <laughs> And as you can see, it wasn't me that stepped on the logo. The funny thing, when I first walked in, and I'm going to show you a really cool little clip here in a minute of the Raiders locker room. Me and Spencer had to scrub it to make sure there's no naked men because that would be a huge problem. It probably cost me my position. But it is pretty cool going in there. I got to tell you, I want to show it to you in a second because it is one of the nicest locker room facilities I've been in, I've ever been in. I've been in a decent amount in my life. And uh, I compare it to the Silverdome or Ford Field in Detroit. The Raiders did it up right. I just think the logo is a little bit too big. Spence, you got a picture of the logo before you played the video. I think I sent you a picture earlier of just the logo. You can kind of see how much room it takes up. But it's huge. I don't know how players that size walk around it. But let me tell you something. Uh, nothing short of knocking your ass down will happen if you step on the lock on the logo. As you heard Jared Sidham, he was polite about it. But he was in, he was in the middle of a media mosh pit talking to him that, you know, he's the first player everyone kind of swarmed around after the game and he stopped everything in the middle of answering the questions you heard. And if you saw it on Facebook live or YouTube, and he literally said, Hey, don't step on the logo. You don't want to step on the logo in the locker room. And, uh, and it's kind of cool. It's all over sports. Uh, it is just a sacred thing. And, uh, you know, it's funny because they put the logos on the middle of the ice and in the middle of the floor in basketball, the middle of the field football, and they run all over the logo all day long, but in the locker room, you step on the logo, 
It's it's like when Baker Mayfield threw the spear or threw the, out in the Florida State logo. Not a good idea. So, um, anyways, but walk into the locker room after the Vikings game last Sunday. I wanted to give you a little glimpse. You won't get to see this um, if you are on uh, if you're not watching the show on Facebook Live or on YouTube. But this is kind of what it's like walking the locker room and what it looks like in an NFL locker room. But mainly, man, it doesn't look like this in most Allegiant Stadium, Las Vegas, and the Raiders. Definitely did it up right. Go ahead, Spencer, run that. Now, there you go. That's kind of what you get in a NFL locker room walking through it. As you can see, really, really nice. And uh, at the end of it, heading over to Jared Stidham where we picked up that little clip we got the last time. But really cool and kind of funny. And, uh, guys, you know, speaking of the Raiders, we'll get to the bones right now. We're going to carry it on in about 10 minutes or so. We're going to have uh, um, Mervyn Fernandez ex-CFL uh, player. Matter of fact, he's a Hall of Fame Canadian Football League player and has spent some time with the Raiders too. And uh, actually some pretty impressive statistics and one that I believe he still holds to this day, um, a record which is pretty cool as far as yards per catch. We'll talk about that a little bit later. We had Mervin on also joined by Magali Fernandez. Uh, she is a former NFL player's wife um, and she came up with uh, this as she is the founder of the NFL Grudge Matches. Extremely cool, benefiting some great charities and there's going to there's going to be four of them during the season and the grudge matches of course three of them when they play their rivals which are the Chiefs the Chargers and the Broncos and one other which will be the first one against the Arizona Cardinals um, and that'll all be coming up and we'll talk about that in just a few minutes but real quickly guys talking about the Raiders uh, this Saturday's win yesterday's win 15 um, uh uh, 15 to 12, I believe 15 to 13 was, I think the final score in that game. They won it by two points, but, um, again, they find a way to win. You saw how important this was, but it has, a, it has them right now, uh, three, you know, they beat the Raiders, of course, last, or excuse me, the Vikings last Sunday, 26 to 20 again, no Derek Carr and no Devonte Adams yesterday, but they have looked good. Uh, the biggest area of concerns to me, Spencer, right off the get go. And I've talked about it before is the offensive line, uh, the improvement of guys like Alex Leather. Would is he going to come into his own and be the number one pick that they they imagined last year that he would be? You didn't like it, I didn't love it, and so far they haven't loved the play they've gotten on him. He did start most games last year, but he was supposed to be a blindside tackle, and he started at the off guard position. This year they started him over at the left tackle. Yesterday they had him at the right tackle position. Um, they're expecting him to protect Derek Carr's blindside. I think when it's all said and done, he's a big guy, but he has got to improve. I watched him a little bit yesterday, and I saw him get still get run over a few times this guy has got to improve uh to help this team out and the other area concern spencer you've talked about it it's the it, we need to see improvement from the defensive backs guys like abrams is going to be a starting safety this year i know you don't like him i like his physicality but i agree he needs to he needs to be better in coverage i think the safety position does get let him roam a little bit and usually you like bigger hitters in like a free safety position we'll see how, how he turns out to be guys like nate hobbs are huge this year as far as stepping up and 
you know, showing that they're going to be a veteran leader and make it. But I am concerned about the secondary. A couple of guys that I really like, just a couple of sleeper guys that I kind of like and was and was looking at. Guys like Tyron Johnson, a journeyman wide receiver. But Spencer, he's a big guy at the wide receiver. I even think you can use him a little bit. Even though Tyreek Hill's a little guy, I think you put him in a role of like a Debo Samuels. Now, he's not nearly as big, but I think this guy could be productive playing a wingback position. And he showed yesterday his toughness and he can catch the football. He's a guy that could surprise, especially with the depth they have now and how skilled they are at the wide receiver position. Don't be surprised if he doesn't work his way into one of the wide out starting slots because I really like what I saw him. And, you know, he's gotten better each year, but he's been around for a little bit. He's 26 years old. Another guy that I like that's been a bit of a journeyman, and we saw how hard he played. Um, he played yesterday in the game with that great safety that he had. But Curtis Bolton, another journeyman guy that I think is going to find his way onto this roster. Probably special teams player because he's got a really good motor. And motors go a long way. And if he can play special teams and make tackles, I think you'll see the line. And you can see he can he's productive at linebacker. He was somewhat disruptive a little bit. And another guy that I like, he's a bit undersized, but he's the rookie linebacker um, that they got out of ASU, Darian Butler. And a smaller guy, Spencer, but he seemed to be all over the field. He was back in coverage. He was in the backfield. Very disruptive. His big problem is being undersized, probably 5'10", and that might be on his tiptoes. Yeah, uh, a few a few good surprises this year, and I think the draft class is a little less important. I know everybody wants to find the hidden gems like the Raiders have, like Max Crosby and Hunter Renfro, but most of the time these guys don't work out. And, and if they do, obviously, you know, good for them. Again, we when you when you look at the draft, I think you always have to rephrase it as okay. Instead of using their first round pick, which they would have used on a receiver because they had to, they used it on Devonte Adams. Okay, that's good for me, <laughs> right? Devonte Adams is probably better than any receiver that was taken out of this year's draft. So, so they won the draft already, regardless of what anything else on their anybody else on their team does. And I know, every, like you know, the preseason is coming to a close, but in reality, you know, we can talk everything we want about the Raiders and Nate Hobbs and his PFF grades, but here's what it comes down to okay week one they have to go into LA if this team's a playoff team that's a game that they can win now if it's a close loss you know you can kind of feel good about that maybe you know it's like oh the way the season ended last year I mean again you look at you got six like playoff games basically against your division rivals like all of them right they're all playoff bound teams or playoff hopeful teams you know if they can go into week one and, and look respectful, I mean, I think that's what every Raiders fan is looking towards, you know. Again, last season, they go to the playoffs and they almost beat a team that went to the Super Bowl. So how can the expectations be less than at least making the playoffs this year, right? If they look bad against the Chargers, I think it could be the sign of like really bad things to come because we don't know, right? There is excitement. I'm excited, regardless of how doomful I say if I am the team. When the Raiders lace up on the first Sunday against the Chargers, you know I'm going to be there hoping and expecting them to win. So I think every Raiders fan has that. There's just so much mystery around the team right now. They look more functional than they should, to be completely honest with you. Think about all the dysfunction last year. You get a whole new staff, not even just a new head coach. He comes in and brings all of his own people in, right? And this team, whatever it is, I mean, I think a lot of this credit you have to give to Derek Carr. I mean, I've been his biggest maybe critic of all time, but in terms of the guy bringing this team together, regardless of the situation, seems to be good. And they seem to be receptive to Coach Josh, right? You have to be. I mean, you're looking at a team like the Dallas Cowboys, who we talked about last week, who've been with McCarthy for like three, four seasons now, and they can't get it together. Now, I know it's preseason, and again, you have to take out the grain of salt. I don't take the performance out of it. I take the 
the discipline out of it from what I've seen in the preseason games. And I'm happy about it. I'm happier. I'm way happier than I thought I would be. Again, I think most people have that sting in their mind of Josh McDaniels with the, the Denver Broncos. And I was just a kid at the time, so I don't remember it really. You know, coaches go come and go all the time in the NFL. So I think that he's really taken and turned a new leaf so harshly so that during his introductory press conference, he wouldn't even talk about the mishap of the Colts. In his mind, he's moved on from it. And I think that's a good thing. He's not dwelling on the past. He's moving forward. And the team looks like it's functioning really well right now. Uh, no question about it. I, I am pleased what I've seen where they're at. I think they're going to be competitive this year. And even though the Raiders, as we know, are in the toughest division in football, the AFC West, you know, you've got the, the Kansas City Chiefs, a couple of Super Bowls, the Chargers. People are saying that uh, that Herbert might be might be the face of the NFL, and that's a huge boast considering Josh Allen and uh, and Patrick Mahomes are in the NFL, and they're saying uh, Justin Herbert might be the face. That's how good he is. And then, of course, Russell Wilson now with the Broncos, they've stepped up, and the Raiders are actually picked to finish last in the AFC West, but I don't think they'll finish last. I think they may even finish second. I think they'll get a wild card this year. And I think they won't disappoint. And one of the things to me that has been the most pleasant surprise is the depth at the quarterback position. I think without question, Jarek Stidham has proved he could be an admirable backup for Derek Carr. And if Derek Carr goes down, is Stidham a guy that can lead you somewhere? I honestly, I'm not going to say no, absolutely. This guy has been unbelievably efficient so far in the, in, in the, in the regular season. Uh, seven for 10 again yesterday, 80 yards, hasn't thrown a pick. Matter of fact, all three quarterbacks, neither none of them threw a pick in yesterday's game and in the preseason that's pretty good uh chase uh, garbers i don't think he's going to make the team uh, i don't know if they'll put him on the practice squad spencer you don't want to carry four quarterbacks but for god's sakes this kid is going to get on a roster somewhere i like what i see from him i think he's got the goods to play in the nfl and nick mullins nothing special but the guy's got nfl experience he's played in nfl games and to have your third string quarterback that's capable now i don't want nick mullins to try to lead anybody to the playoffs or to the promised land but can nick mullins lead him to a victory if he came off the bench in a game i think he's got that kind of ability i think he's an NFL player so it's nice to see they have maybe as much depth as any team in the league at the quarterback position cumulatively that's pretty exciting and running back as well like I said their skilled positions you know really look good and, and you know and you and you add a guy like Tyron Johnson who no one's even talking about to that mix and again maybe I'm too high on the guy it's been a couple of preseason games I just like what I'm seeing I think he's a gamer and again Darren Waller that one of the best tight ends in all of football and I mean, this guy, another year under his belt, if he stays healthy, scary how good he's going to be this year. Again, it's going to come down to the offensive line and the defensive secondary. I think with a linebacking crew led by Denzel Perryman, they are going to be solid this year. And we see a couple of other young linebackers competing for the outside positions, and they'll be good. And again, on the edge, do, is there a better combination of edge rushers in the NFL than what the Raiders have right now? Good luck, because I'll tell you what, Max Crosby is a top five edge NFL rusher out of Eastern Michigan. Whoever thought that was going to happen when he's drafted in the third round? Nobody. Okay, but that's the kind of gems. This Raiders team, I don't care if with the new edge coach, 
if Josh McDaniel can't put this team together this year, then he's going to prove what a lot of people think already. He's another Bill Belichick bust, and that's what people will think if they don't put it together. Let's get out to the lines right now. I want to get our guests on the show without any further ado whatsoever. There's something that's going to be going on during the NFL season this year. It's been going on for a couple of years now. I've gotten to play in one of these. Not only are they, they a great time, but if you're an NFL fan, man, you are going to see some former tremendous NFL players, not just Raiders, but the other teams that are coming in. Uh, it's going to, the whole thing is going to get started. Um, and I believe the first one is coming up uh, very early on, which is going to be um, against the Cardinals. When they play the Cardinals, uh, you're going to have, they have a pairings party that happens on Friday night. The tournament itself takes place on Saturdays. And then you've got, of course, the NFL games, which will be at Allegiant Stadium. It'll be during home games will be uh, the following day, but they start off with the Cardinals. Uh, the first one, and they, and they benefit some great charities. And the person that puts this together is a friend of mine and somebody that really dedicates herself to making sure that uh, charities are taken care of, getting the community involved here in Las Vegas, and it's been a lot of fun. And she is Magali Fernandez, um, the founder of Life, Lifetime Global, but also she is the founder of the NFL uh, NFL grudge matches, I should say. Uh, Magali just, again, does a tremendous job with this. She's an NFL alumni spouse of uh, former NFL uh, great Mike Harden. And again, she founded the grudge matches. We're going to bring uh, Magali, and she is with joined today by a guy who's going to be playing in a lot of these tournaments, representing the Raiders, and um, a guy that had a stellar stellar CFL and NFL career. And I'm talking about Mervin Fernandez with uh, British Columbia in the CFL. This guy has set all kinds of record. One of the top players in the history of the Canadian football league and is in the Canadian football league hall of fame, as well as I believe if I'm not mistaken, as far as Raiders go in a career is the all time leader in yards per catch. And considering all of the great Raiders and the hall of fame Raiders out there to be able to say that you were the all-time leader in yards per catch for a, a history as storied as the Oakland Raiders, LA Raiders, now Las Vegas Raiders, uh, is pretty incredible as well. So I want to welcome both Magali Fernandez and Mervin Fernandez. No relation, same last name to the show. How are you guys doing? <laughs> We're great. How are you doing? Oh, you know, another beautiful day in paradise here on a Sunday morning, Magali. Happy I to be with us and looking really forward uh, to the grudge matches. I want you, because you're going to be able to do it way more justice than I would, to talk all about this. The first one, you know, less than a month away now. We're only, matter of fact, about three weeks away from the very first one. Again, the pairings party will be Friday. The opportunity to play will be Saturday. And then you've got the Raiders game against the Arizona Cardinals coming up on Sunday. But go ahead, you take over from here. You know, Brian, thank you so much first for having me on. Um, this is just, I created this to get, to create an experience, basically, you know, help raise money for our community, um, bring the guys together, uh, that whole competitive, competitiveness that they have on the field. This time they're doing it on the golf course. And of course, for our golfers, you know, these are your all time, you know, legends, like your Mervins and your Jay Schraders. And so all these guys come together. They support this event for a great cause. Um, and then they have a good time at the same time. So I enjoy it. 
by getting an opportunity to get out there for one of the first grudge matches last year. I had an opportunity to play with one of our listeners. And of course, with uh, Jay Schrader, we ended up winning the event. But our listener and Jay Schrader carried the team. I, I pitched in with a few putts and Jay made sure at the at the <laughs> award ceremony after to let everyone know that that was the case. But um, so much fun and great guys like Jay Schrader, who uh, spends a lot of time here in Las Vegas. Also a guy that is up for a lot of causes. I played in a golf outing. His, he's a big part of this, as well as a lot of ex NFL players that get involved and is for like the charities, like again, for the first one um, that you're doing the, um, the Nevada, it is the Nevada wheelchair foundation. Uh, pretty cool. Uh, the, the things that they're doing and again, the trips that you are offering an opportunity to go to Cancun, this all inclusive trip, as far as uh, the, the accommodations itself, I should stay. And uh, the trip is the, these trips. Once you go on one of these trips, Cancun and the trip itself is actually pitching in for, it's going to benefit for caring, the caring for kids foundation, which is absolutely fantastic. And what a great opportunity, the trip, but so many other things that you have opportunities to win and participate in, but just the opportunity to participate for such a great event with former NFL players. What a cool experience uh, you get now that we have an actual NFL franchise in Las Vegas. No, it's amazing, right? It's a game changer. I think it's just a complete game changer here. right now to, to get him on Mervin. Uh, not, not no luck yet, Spence. He's still trying, but uh, we can talk about it. We'll see if we can't get him get him on the show uh, with us pretty soon. But, um, you know, this is the first one, and then we have the other ones. And I say the true grudge matches because that's the rivals, the Raider rivals, where you really get to dig in. And what's funny is, as these guys love each other. I mean, it is a brotherhood to be an NFL alumni and you can see it when you're around them. You can see the love and respect they have for one another. And it's a really cool feeling, regardless of the fact they played for bitter rival teams where the fans all hate each other, but the players love each other, especially after the fact. And, uh, but it's really cool that you look, the second one is going to be October 10th and that is going to be the Broncos grudge match, which will be sure. pretty, pretty cool. Longtime rival of the, the Raiders. And then after that one, the third one is going to be the chargers. And then of course, Course, the Kansas City Chiefs, all tough games, but a lot of fun and, and an opportunity for fans and people to, to get out there and participate. And Magali, let people know how they can get involved and participate. And again, starting next week, we're going to give you an opportunity to not only win a chance to play with me and one other representative of the show in that grudge, in, in the first grudge match, but an opportunity also to win a chance to go to Cancun as well and all for a great cause. Yes, you can go to www.celebritygrudgematch.com. We've got limited foursomes left as we are really just about a couple, three weeks away. So you can register there. You can get the tickets to the pairings party there as well. Yeah. You can put up the if you can put up the uh, the, the the flyer that we have it'll, it'll it gives you all the information you can see this at the website uh, Magali mentioned but this right here tells you about a lot of the uh, the players that are going to be participating who you would meet and we're going to put up all that information on our stay on our uh, fa our um, uh, show Facebook page on the website as well but this lets you know when the dates are and again you know just just to give you all the dates of the different events um, again the first one is going to be September. 
November 17th, coming up very soon. You can sign up right now an opportunity. Uh, there's all, closest to the pin uh, and, and other opportunities where you're going to have an opportunity to win these trips to Cancun, which is really cool. And then, of course, Saturday, uh, which will be the 17th, will be the day of the event. And then you've got the Raiders game. They'll be playing the Cardinals at Allegiant Stadium on the 18th, on Sunday the 18th. And then the same thing you have uh, with the, the second one you have against the Broncos when they're playing the Broncos. And that is going to be on October 2nd is the game. The outing will be the first. And then, of course, the pairings party the night before, um, which will be the end of September. And then you've got the Chargers. And that one is going to be on December the 3rd. And then the Chiefs will be right after the New Year starting. And that'll be a, a January 7th. And the cool thing about that one is that should be a heck of a rivalry game because mm. um, that's probably right before the playoffs. And that, that game could decide whether the Raiders go to the playoffs or not. So that's how big these will be. But Magali, a great opportunity. And again, one more time, please mention the uh, the, the way, to, way people can, the financial obligation for them and how they can sign up. Easy, the easiest way to do that. So... The easiest way to do it is to go to celebritygrudgematch.com. Um, single golfer is 500. Foursome is the best deal. Uh, it's 800. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, 1800. Um, and yeah, you can get the tickets right off the website. Were you able to get Mervin? of course playing with the Raiders alumni. So he'll be at pretty much all the tournaments. And I definitely am looking forward to getting him on. As I said, uh, you know, if, if you don't know who Mervin Fernandez is, you probably haven't been a fan for very long because of this guy, um, like I said, Canadian football hall of fame with, uh, with British Columbia and then some stellar years here with the Raiders one year leading the team with over a hundred receptions and a thousand yards and or 50, I think almost 60 receptions, a thousand yards, nine touchdowns. But the main thing is, is for the Raiders in their history no receiver has ever had more yards per catch average in his career than he did with the Raiders so pretty cool and we'll get him on, on again Magali thank you so much again the founder of the grudge matches lifetime global we appreciate you joining the show thank you Brian thank you for having me on We'll be throughout the entire season. We are going to be updating and talking about the different grudge matches, opportunities for you guys to win a chance to play. And uh, like I said, with us, but mainly get out there, check this out, and we'll be periodically uh, putting up the website so you guys can go there and sign up and, and join. It should be a great time, especially for all you golfers and uh, NFL fans combined. Great time to go out and check all that out. And uh, we will definitely get to that. Um, real quickly, you know, around the NFL guys, and before I want to, you know, I I do want to mention the aviators. I was going to really quickly do our Las Vegas aviators report. You know, they've won three of their last four games. They're home for seven more games. Uh, they got a game tonight at seven um, at the Las Vegas ballpark versus the Sacramento river cats. And then they get a day off and then they'll have six straight games, six straight days against the Sugarland space Cowboys starting on Tuesday, including a firework game Friday night. And that's a great opportunity. If you haven't been out to the Las Vegas ballpark, go and watch a Friday night game when they have the fireworks. Uh, there's nothing like it. Again, it's the best minor league facility in all of triple a baseball there are none better it's a miniature major league ballpark a swimming pool in center field and really worth checking it out all kinds of great cuisine 
Plus, you're right up there by Red Rock, and that whole little uh, downtown Summerlin is right there. You can walk across the street and enjoy all that after the game. So really cool with the Aviators. Guys, we'll wrap up talking about uh, – I don't want to talk about baseball today and the skid of the Yankees. We'll, we'll Hopefully, it will continue. We'll talk about that more next week. But it's amazing how poorly they have played since the All-Star break. Looks like the Houston Astros are the best team in baseball now. Um, and uh, are they on a collision course with the Dodgers, with the Mets? Are they even on the collision course? But Dusty Baker, man, um, not going to say that Dusty Baker is not a hell of a manager. But, Spencer, I watched that Houston team. You see guys like Verlander, who's 39 years old, maybe having one of the best years of his career. But then again, if, you know, if, um, if uh, you know, I was married to, uh, um, to, 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 the, to the person he's married to, to Kate, yeah, I'd probably be doing pretty well too, but he's having under, under a two point ERA and one of the, you know, I mean, the guy might want to Cy Young again, Spencer. I mean, at 39 years old, it's almost unheard of, but they're, two, they're number one and number two in Houston are as good as anybody in the game of baseball right now. But uh, we'll talk about baseball more next week. I want to get back into the NFL a little bit more and just, just bizarre when I'm watching some of these quarterback battles, you know, in Seattle, I mean, if you're a Seattle Seahawks fan right now, you've just got to be amazingly bummed. You lose a Hall of Fame quarterback, future Hall of Fame quarterback, and Russell Wilson of the Denver Broncos, and now you've got Geno Smith and um, Drew Locke competing to be your starting quarterback. You want to talk about going from A to like Z overnight? I mean, that's just terrible. Drew Locke initially had the inside track. Now Geno Smith, Drew Locke is out with COVID. They're saying Geno Tr Smith has the inside track. If they don't go out and find a quarterback, Seattle is going to be just garbage. You're talking about a, a bottom dweller in the NFL. And then over in Carolina, you know, it's pretty funny that you got two guys just a couple of years ago were number one and number three picked in the NFL draft in 2018. And now they're both competing for the starting job. And the home fans, if you read the paper there, they're bumming out. They don't want either one of them. They're saying Baker Mayfield when they reached out, when Carolina reached out to get him from the Carolina, or excuse me, from the Cleveland Browns, that they pretty much were penciling him in as a starting quarterback. Sam Darnold was anything but impressive last year. He started the season with a really good game, and it was straight downhill from that point forward. Sam Darnold is a backup quarterback at best in the NFL. He's got a good arm. He's a big, strong kid. He can take a hit, but I'll tell you what, he can't play elite quarterback in the National Football League. I just think the game's too fast for him. Some people the game never slows down for, and I don't think it did for Sam Darnold. I think uh, Magnum would probably echo, echo those sentiments back in the studio uh, that, uh, you know, he was a letdown. And now, uh, you know, I don't know if Zach Wilson is much better, hurt, and who knows. Uh, you know, my, my God, they're, they're, they're going to go with uh, with – the old boy, Joe Flacco, golden Joe Flacco to try to lead their team this year. The Jets aren't getting any farther than the Lions, but, um, you know, the competition. And then, you know, uh, again, Baker Mayfield. I mean, it's amazing. Two years ago, he led the Cleveland Browns to their first playoff win in forever. And here he is two years later competing for a starting job in Carolina in a fan group that doesn't want him, a state that they, they don't want either one of these guys. Carolina wants another Cam Newton when he was in his prime. They want to go back to the Super Bowl. And they know, as, as we know, that neither one of these guys are taking them to the Super Bowl. I don't think I'm going out on a limb, you know, saying that. Uh, uh, Spencer, what do you think watching preseason right now and what we've seen? Patrick Mahomes, of course, played yesterday for the Chiefs. And, wow, slinging the ball sidearm. You know, 
I'm worried about him without Tyreek Hill. I just am. And Clyde, uh, Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I mean, this guy's hurt every year. He has all kinds of potential, but he's a little scat back. And when you don't stay healthy as a little guy your first couple of years in the league, that doesn't bode well for your your future years in the league. But what are you seeing so far in this preseason? What do you like and what don't you like? Well, I saw Josh Allen, and uh, the guy's just ridiculous. You know, I obviously will not be rooting for Patrick Mahomes myself. I would never wish injury upon somebody. But if he plays really bad this year, it won't be any skin off of my back. Preseasons are pretty interesting, uh, fairly. I mean, when you talk about preseason, when it comes to all the sports, like football definitely has the best because you know those guys are fighting for jobs. You look at the NBA, it's like the roster's already sorted out. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever heard of a guy in the preseason – playing so well that he just demands a roster spot. So I think when you look at the NFL, it's it's interesting when you look at the third stringers especially. So maybe that like that second quarter, third quarter, you know those guys are literally fighting for spots. Like football's pretty vicious when it comes down to it, right? You have 90 guys to start and it gets cut down like a, like a third of your team that you start out with, the guys you start out with aren't there when the season starts. That is how competitive like football is and cutthroat it is. And these guys are playing pretty hard. It's been entertaining uh, when it comes to QB battles. I mean, they should have just given Baker Mayfield the job to start out with. The, the, the idea of a competition is, is never good because the quarterback position is too hard. You can't split first team reps. You need the guy. And they traded for him. They should have said they either wanted him or they didn't. And I think that the fans are feeding off of that. They don't like it either. Yeah, of course. That's that's all part of it. And as you mentioned, the Buffalo Bills, a good, good call, Spencer, because I think they're winning the Super Bowl this year. And the crazy thing is, as good as Josh Allen is, it's pretty they're pretty lucky to have a guy like Case Keenum backing him up in Buffalo, because that's a guy that can come off the bench and win a couple games should Josh Allen get get, get moderately hurt or something. So Buffalo's looking like a juggernaut this year in the AFC. They're gonna be real, real tough. And we'll see what Tampa Bay's gonna do once Tom Brady finally gets there. Listen, we're out of time. This is out of line. I greatly appreciate everyone listen i want to thank magali fernandez for joining the show talking about the nfl grudge matches we'll talk much more about that in the coming weeks and the coming season thank of course spencer the wiz ostrowski is here as always our social media director serves as my co-host and of course chris magnum chapman back in the fox sports residential day Corp studio for doing what he does with the wheels of steel i'm brian feldman we will be back next week this has been out of line and we're here once again fox sports radio 98.9 fm 1340 a.m every Sunday at 8. We appreciate you. Out for now. Bye-bye.